Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Hi, my name is Dr. Parasu Khalasi Husseini. I am a pediatric resident at LA County, USC, and I will be going through case 42, titled 10-Year-Old Male with Dysphagia by Dr. Bardwaj and Dr. Pitsak. Let's begin. So a 10-year-old Caucasian male presents with a chief complaint of an acidic feeling in his throat and a dull burning sensation in his chest during meals for the last six months. He has associated nausea without frank vomiting. So what is the most likely diagnosis? The symptoms are suggestive of esophagitis, which is most commonly due to gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD. GERD is characterized by the passage of acidic gastric contents backwards into the esophagus. It is diagnosed clinically by eliciting symptoms consistent with heartburn and then treating empirically with acid suppression. Radiologic tests, such as upper gastrointestinal contrast studies, may also show GERD, but are more helpful in looking for anatomic abnormalities. If there are no response to acid suppression after two to three months, other causes of GI symptomatology must be explored. Time for a basic science clinical pearl. Gastroesophageal reflux is a normal physiological event in everyone and consists simply of the passage of gastric contents into the esophagus. GERD, with a D, is a disease that develops when there are complications of the reflux, such as esophagitis, erosions, or strictures. In contrast, vomiting is defined as an expulsion of reflux gastric contents from the mouth. It can be a component of GERD. Rumination, on the other hand, is the deliberate regurgitation of food into the mouth, which is often then re-swallowed. Patients with rumination often have underlying psychiatric or neurologic condition. Case point 42.1 he is prescribed omeprazole, a proton pump inhibitor. Time for a basic science fact. The proton pump exchanges hydrogen to make hydrochloric acid for potassium, which goes intracellularly. PPIs selectively inactivate this proton pump in the parietal cell, the final step in acid production. Once inhibited by the PPI, the pump becomes unresponsive to stimulation by histamine, gastric, and acetylcholine. Histamine-2 receptor antagonists, known as H2RAs, only block stimulation of the parietal cell by histamine. Thus, upregulation of gastrin or acetylcholine can overcome the effect of these drugs. This is why PPIs are more effective than H2RAs in healing erosive esophagitis due to GERD. All right, so he returns to the clinic three months later. His mother reports that the PPI has not had any significant effect on his symptoms. Furthermore, he has begun to have dysphagia, difficulty swallowing, in the last two months. Worsening over the last month, globus pharyngeus, 
sensation of a lump in the throat, and a water brush, regurgitation of saliva back into the mouth with acid. So what is the differential diagnosis at this point? Eosinophilic esophagitis, known as EOE, resistant or refractory GERD, esophageal stricture, and congenital vascular rings or slings should be considered in a patient with symptoms of dysphagia and gastroesophageal reflux. EOE, an atopic inflammatory disease sometimes referred to as asthma of the esophagus, should be considered if the patient has symptoms of GERD that do not respond to acid suppression therapy. Esophageal strictures in the pediatric population are often congenital rather than acquired and should present with more prolonged symptoms, likely since birth. Acquired esophageal strictures should be suspected in patients with a history of caustic congestion or chronic GERD. Vascular rings or slings should be suspected in a newborn with feeding intolerance and breathing difficulties. In a toddler with these complaints, an accidental or deliberately ingested foreign body must be in the differential. Time for a clinical pearl. Both GERD and EOE left untreated can cause esophageal stricture formation. An esophageal stricture is a narrowing in the esophagus caused by chronic inflammation leading to circumferential scar tissue formation, which you can see in figures 42.1 a normal caliber esophagus seen by endoscopy. And in 42.2, you'll see an esophageal stricture. Esophageal strictures can be treated by endoscopic balloon dilation. As seen in figure 42.3, placement and expansion of a balloon dilator. And in figure 42.4, esophageal stricture post-dilation. So what is the next step? Resistant or refractory GERD and EOE are the most likely diagnoses at this time, and a detailed dietary history can help differentiate between the two. GERD is often exacerbated by alcohol, caffeinated and carbonated beverages, and acidic foods such as tomato sauce and fruit juices. Patients with EOE often are not able to identify specific trigger foods. Rather, they have functional problems with eating. Younger patients with EOE tend to present with feeding dysfunction, vomiting, and fussiness. Adolescents with EOE tend to have complaints of dysphagia and food impaction. A need to consume water with meals and taking wet swallows suggests EOE. Patients with dysphagia due to EOE also tend to cut up solid foods into small pieces and often take a long time to finish their meals. It is also useful to obtain personal and family history of atopy. Example, eczema, allergic rhinitis, asthma, food allergies, because EOE is often seen with concurrent allergic diseases. Case point 42.2. He has a history of food allergies, allergic rhinitis, and eczema. His family history is significant for maternal food allergies. On physical examination, his afebrile, his pulse rate is 85 beats per minute, respiratory rate of 18 per minute, blood pressure is 118 over 70, and oxygen saturation is 97% on room air. His weight is 28 kilograms, which is 5th percentile for age, 
and his height is 138 centimeters, which is 50th percentile for age. He has nasal creases, pharyngeal cobblestoning, and a dry, scaly rash looking like eczema on the flexor surface of his arms bilaterally. The rest of the physical examination, including an abdominal examination, is normal. Time for a clinical pearl. Although EOE is often seen in the setting of atopy, GERD is also often seen in patients with atopy. The latter occurs simply due to the high prevalence of GERD. GERD itself is not associated with atopy. Therefore, atopy is not a specific discriminator for EOE. So what is our next step? The physical examination is useful to identify abnormal growth patterns that suggest severe and or uncontrolled disease that would not be expected to differentiate between GERD or EOE. Stigmata of atopy, example, uh, nasal congestion, allergic shiners, pharyngeal cobblestoning can be seen if comorbid allergic diseases exist. However, no features on physical examination are specific in making the diagnosis of EOE. Laboratory testing may reveal peripheral eosinophilia on complete blood cell count, but this finding is neither sensitive nor specific for EOE. Time for a basic science clinical pearl. Cobblestoning refers to the presence of small, round, uniform nodules on a mucosal surface resembling a cobblestone street. Oropharyngeal cobblestoning is thought to be due to inflamed lymphoid tissue and can be seen in viral infections, Crohn's disease, and allergic rhinitis due to post-nasal drip into the posterior pharynx. Because the physical examination and laboratory workup are nonspecific for EOE or complications of GERD, the next step would be direct endoscopic visualization of the esophageal lumen with biopsy. This procedure is known as esophagogastroduodenoscopy, scoping the upper GI tract, esophagus, stomach, and duodenum, EGD. EGD is able to identify and remove foreign bodies and identify erosions and ulcers in the esophagus and stomach seen in GERD and peptic ulcer disease. EOE-associated erosions, ulcers, and exudates and esophageal narrowing or stricture seen in chronic GERD or EOE. EGD allows for esophageal biopsy, which remains the only reliable diagnostic test for EOE. Time for a basic science clinical pearl. Eosinophil count in the CBC differential can be elevated in many different circumstances, including parasitic infections, food allergies, environmental allergies, malignancy, and systemic illness, such as inflammatory bowel disease. Time for case point 42.3. So the patient undergoes EGD. Visually, his esophagus shows furrows, rings, and white plaques, seen in figure 42.5. He does not have a stricture. Multiple biopsies are taken. Pathology shows a high eosinophil count and basal cell hyperplasia in his esophageal biopsies, consistent with EOE as seen in figure 42.6 and 42.8. The diagnosis at this point is eosinophilic esophagitis. So how is eosinophilic esophagitis treated? 
Ely can be treated with medical or dietary approaches. Medical therapies for EOE include PPIs, corticosteroids, leukotriene modifiers, and biologic agents. Topical corticosteroids delivered to the esophagus, swallowed and not inhaled, have become the mainstay of pharmacotherapy for patients with EOE, given their substantially better safety profile. Dietary therapies can be targeted or impaired. In targeted dietary therapy, food allergy testing via skin prick or determination of serum IgE levels is performed, and allergenic foods are eliminated from the patient's diet. In empiric dietary therapy, the six most commonly considered allergenic foods are excluded from the diet. Milk, soy, eggs, wheat, nuts, and fish. Patients may react to one or multiple foods. Time for a clinical pearl. In young children with vomiting, chest radiographs should also be considered to evaluate for a radio-opaque foreign body, such as coins or magnets. Additionally, almost all foods have been implicated in EOE, but the most common are milk, egg, nuts, tree nuts, beef, wheat, fish, shellfish, corn, and soy. Time for another basic science and clinical pearl. Allergy testing via skin prick or determination of serum IgE levels may not reflect specific esophageal antigenicity in a patient with EOE. If strict elimination diets and medications do not work, an elemental diet can be tried. An elemental allergen-free liquid formula with pre-digested protein is exclusively ingested for a minimum of one to three months to induce healing. Over time, various foods are introduced. Multiple EGDs with biopsies are often needed to assess response and dilate strictures. If present, time for a clinical pearl. Unfortunately, once medications or specific food elimination diets are stopped, EOE generally relapses. Case point 42.4. Milk, soy, eggs, wheat, nuts, and fish are eliminated from the patient's diet for three months and his symptoms resolve. The foods are reintroduced, one new food per week and his symptoms return with the reintroduction of fish. He is successfully able to treat his EOE with dietary restriction alone. Time for our Beyond the Pearls. Of reported EOE cases, 75% are white males. The incidence of EOE is thought to be 1 in 10,000 people. However, it is likely underreported and underdiagnosed. The incidence is thought to be increasing along with other allergic diseases. The most common clinical manifestation of EOE reported in pediatric studies are as follows. Dysphagia is seen in 16 to 100%, emesis in 8% to 100%, GERD in 5% to 82%, abdominal pain in 5% to 68%, food impaction in 10% to 50%, chest pain in 17% to 20%, diarrhea in 1% to 24%, and failure to thrive is seen in 5% to 19%. The esophageal biopsy should demonstrate more than 15 eosinophils for high-power field 
to confirm the diagnosis of EOE. Smaller number of eosinophils, which are usually located more superficially, are more suggestive of GERD. Inflammation should be restricted to the esophagus, alone in EOE. If inflammation is present further down the GI tract, eosinophilic gastroenteritis, esophagus, and stomach should be diagnosed. This condition is often associated with abdominal pain, emesis, and diarrhea. Eosinophilia of the GI tract can also involve the small bowel and colon. GERD symptoms that respond to PPIs do not rule out EOE. PPI responsive EOE has been described. Such a diagnosis must be made on repeat esophageal biopsy after several months of therapy. Humanized monoclonal antibodies against IL-5 and IgE may be therapeutic options for disease that does not respond to dietary therapy or routine medications. Results from a small case series using the IL-5 antibodies and mepolizumab have suggested that these biologics are well-tolerated and may improve clinical symptoms, histology, and quality of life in patients with EOE. All right, so let's do a case summary. A 10-year-old Caucasian male presents with acidic feeling in his throat, a burning sensation in his chest during meals, and nausea without frank vomiting for the past six months. His past medical history is significant for eczema, allergic rhinitis, and food allergies. He's prescribed a PPI for three months without improvement. He has now developed dysphagia, globus pharyngeus, and water brush. The physical examination is significant for being underweight, with normal height for age. He has nasal creases, pharyngeal cobblestoning, and eczema on the flexor surfaces of his arms bilaterally. The rest of his physical examination, including abdominal examination, is normal. In terms of labs and tests, during EGD, his esophagus showed furrows, rings, and white plaques. Esophageal biopsies show high eosinophil count. What was our diagnosis? Eosinophilic esophagitis. What was our treatment? The top food allergens are eliminated from the patient's diet for three months and his symptoms resolve. The foods are reintroduced as one new food per week, and his symptoms return with a reintroduction of fish. He's successfully able to treat his EOE with dietary restriction alone. And so that concludes our case 42. Again, my name is Parastu Khalesi Hosseini. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.